George McReynolds of McReynolds Wealth Management, registered principal. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member, FINRA SIPC. Investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and McReynolds Wealth Management are not affiliated. Advanced level tax planning, income, tax preparation, life coaching, and time management consulting services, and fixed insurance products and services are separate and unrelated to Cambridge. Cambridge does not offer tax advice. As a CFP and RFC, George McReynolds' mission is to help people create compelling dreams for their future, the plans to attain them, and the time to enjoy them. This is the Prosper Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Prosper Podcast with George McReynolds, Wealth Manager and Chief Tax Strategist at McReynolds Wealth Management. I'm your co-host, Mark Kellyan, alongside with George as we talk about investing, finance, and retirement. And you can find George and his team online at prosperpodcast.com. That's prosperpodcast.com. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can check out past episodes, future episodes, whether it's iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or whatever platform source that you like for podcasting. Make sure you subscribe to that. And if you have questions or concerns and you're in the uh, southeastern Philly area, and you need to reach out, need some help, make sure you always call and talk before you do anything, take any action. You can reach out to George at 215-699-1050. That's 215-699-1050. He's got an office there in Lansdale. And George, buddy, welcome in. How are you? Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing better than you. I'm going to let our listeners in to know, uh, before we got started, we chatted for a minute. You had yourself a little bit of a tumble when you were visiting Fiji. Uh, great, beautiful place, but yeah, it sounds I, like you I, hurt yourself I, a little. I, I tripped on my halo. I was in paradise, <laughs> and uh, it was a really steep place with some steps that were covered with moss. I was in Fiji for two weeks. Right. Two programs called Life Mastery and Wealth Mastery. And I slipped on the wet moss, grabbed the railing that was there, and it just crushed in my hands like paper mache. Wow. And banged up all over. But uh, I was surrounded by some really top-notch uh, physicians. We had chiropractors. Uh, a young lady is the uh, primary care physician for the uh, astronauts in NASA at the Space Center. And then there was a Chicago emergency room doctor. So I, I was well cared for. I uh, felt better uh, within just a couple of days. And uh I guess too much time on the airport, so now the knees just bother me, but I'm, I keep walking it off. And yeah. Otherwise, life is fantastic, but I'm sure <laughs> things are going to get better soon. Well, I hope they do, my friend. I hope they do. Well, I tell you what, we got a great show lined up, so let's go ahead and dive into some stuff. We were also discussing before we kicked off the podcast here, you had a great conversation with a client and uh, or a person, and I wanted to kind of pick up on that. We'll save the names to protect the innocent, all that kind of stuff. But And it worked out well because this was one of the topics I wanted to get to anyway, and that's really... Uh, Picking up the pieces after a divorce, maybe you could share with us how you've helped someone through the financial side, you know, after a divorce, because obviously there's an emotional train wreck that goes with that. Although divorce is funny, right? I never know if you want to, if you say condolences or congratulations to somebody because they might be happy that it's done, right? My friends always ask the question, why is divorce so expensive? Because Because it's worth it. (laughs) I'm with you. So maybe you could share that, um, just some ideas uh, when it comes to picking up those pieces financially. Well, I got a call and I've had these calls before. I've had this situation and uh, there was the emotional aspect. And uh, I just tried to encourage him that things are going to be better in in a couple of years and and keep looking back every six months, but don't expect things to change overnight. Right. And 
I did invite him to come in and update his financial plan when things get settled as well to do his financial plan as, as well as the life coaching, uh, which I help people with. But the call focused on what does he need to look at now while they're trying to negotiate a settlement. And uh, I'm really glad he called me because I, I have knowledge on a few things that most of the attorneys don't understand, like stock options, restricted stock units, some of the real estate things, as well as um, how to divvy up the pension in the 401k. So uh, I let him know that uh, he could transfer any retirement assets to her by getting what's called a qualified domestic relations order or a QDRO. Some people call it a quadro, but that allows you to transfer to a spouse without having to pay tax or penalty. In terms of his, uh, his pension, he was looking at the lump sum benefit, which is only something that's available this quarter. That number changes each quarter. Defined benefit pension is a series of payments at some point in the future, and those payments continue for life. Under federal law, ERISA, the uh, Employee Retirement Income Security Act in 1974, a spouse has a vested interest, and they can elect to have a, a joint and survivor annuity or uh, monthly payment for as long as either of them is alive. So that's the basic thing. Now, some companies offer a lump sum option where at time of retirement, you can take out a full balance, but that varies each quarter because of the interest rates. And the higher the interest rates go, the smaller that lump sum gets to be. So what I recommended that he look into is an actuarial determination of the present value of those future payments. And that will remain constant. So in all likelihood, it's going to end up lower than what the lump sum is now, given interest rates assumption, but a longer term interest rate assumption will bring it down substantially for him and it'll be much more accurate. And then we talked about, he has restricted stock units that, right. uh, that have not vested yet. So you could look up what the current value is on them, but then they're not, they're not really worth anything. If he were to pass away before they were vested, then it would expire worthless. So we talked about handicapping the value of those by figuring out how much life insurance would he need and what would be the cost of that? What would be the cheapest term, annual renewable term insurance that would cover that? And talk to his attorney about using that to reduce the current value of those restricted stock units. And then with stock options, the same kind of thing. They could expire worthless. You don't know what they're going to be worth in the future. But there's a value method called the Black-Scholes model for figuring out what that current value is. And then also then handicap it by the cost of annual renewable term because it disappears at death. And uh, we talked about just uh, kind of getting a quick idea on the real value of the house by going to Zillow and then looking at the comparables that Zillow comes up with and toss out the bad ones, the ones that are, are bigger or substantially smaller, that are not close or, or not timely. And that, my experience is in that, that kind of gets you in the value range and it's a good place to start talking. And if there's any discrepancy, then invest in the cost of getting a real appraiser out there to determine the current market value. Well, certainly a lot of information that can go into, you know, picking up those pieces, George, when it comes to that. So some good pieces, some good things to think about here on the program, the Prosper Podcast. So if you've got some questions or concerns, as we mentioned, don't forget just to reach out to George or check him out online at prosperpodcast.com. All right, buddy. Well, let's turn our attention to our main topic this week. And that is a uh, conventional wisdom that maybe isn't always so wise, like, uh, you know, paper mache handrails, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> not such a wise move on that one. Uh, they should have. They probably should have fixed that. I bet you they fixed it now, though, after that. But anyway, I got a couple of bullet points here for you, George, that where we've kind of been trained, I guess, that these are the conventional ways to do things. But in the modern retirement era, these may or may not still hold a lot of weight. So let's kick it off with real estate. We always used to hear growing up, I'm, I'm almost 50. I was always you know, kind of taught, hey, you can't go wrong with real estate. What do you think about that? It's absolutely false. <laughs> and uh, in my own life, I've seen it ha- happen a number of times. Before I became a wealth manager, I was in banking. And I saw the real estate market top out in 1989. And then uh, it stayed down, at least in the lower end of the first-time homebuyer's market, it stayed down for like a good six years. It wasn't till 85 that it started up. Now the move up market, that turned around relatively quick, but initially that was heard as well. And we've seen it happen again in, in 2006, 2007, it topped out. I remember I used to have an old Victorian home in Glenside and they insulated the house with newspapers. So the house was built in 1895. So there was newspapers in there from the turn of of the last century, 1900. And we looked at real estate prices in in some of the ads. And then there was also some post-depression newspapers in there as well. And I was shocked at how much real estate dropped in value for the same relative areas for Philadelphia property. There's also an interesting article there about a horse running wild on Broad Street. And uh, yeah, the constable jumped on and, and saved it. So, uh, so yeah, real estate goes down. It goes down pretty consistently. Uh, I think the best way to track it is by sector, by seeing you know what the demographics lead to. So, first-time home buyers nationally they tend to buy at the age 34 on the East Coast, and in this area they do it a little sooner because the home prices are are a little cheaper. We've got row houses in Philadelphia and in, in uh, Parkwood and Kensington, Fishtown, as well as a lot of one and two bedroom condos in the suburbs. And that generally tracks uh, how many 29-year-olds there are. The move-up market, uh, generally that's 42 to 46. And if we look at our supply of people coming of that age, it it gives us a good indication. And that lined up perfectly with what we saw with the market topping out in 2006. And then the vacation home, resort properties, that tends to be age 52 that people buy that. So again, just looking at the birth rate chart, you can kind of get a feel for it. Now, it's not the only factor to consider. Interest rates come into play, Federal Reserve policy, the general economy, and in the local uh, markets, it's uh, it's uh, job growth and education availability. But I think looking at the birth rate charts will get you on the right track on, on uh, whether the market's probably going to go up over the time you expect to do it or, or go down. But you know what? If you already own your house, forget it. It, it doesn't matter unless you're going to sell. So uh, if you're if you're in the house, you can sleep at night and doesn't matter because you're not a seller yet. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. let's let's stay well, with that uh, that theme of the houses, George, and say, OK, another conventional wisdom is there's good debt and bad debt and mortgage is good debt. Now, we've all heard that. Is that a true or kind of false statement? Well, I could say that mortgage is better debt usually, but not okay. all the time. My <laughs> Uncle Joe used to say measure twice and cut once. And it's actually a pretty good idea to actually measure based on the tax advantages that you get with mortgage debt and generally lower rates. But it's not always the case. People often are in a hurry to pay. They're doing the exact opposite. They're in a hurry to pay off the mortgage. In the meantime, they've got car loans and they've got credit card debt. Or if they don't now, they will in the future. So they don't look at the long-term impact of their borrowing. So um, measure it. What's your balance sheet? What's your need for cash, cash flow, and equity? And then that'll help you make a great decision. 
Yeah, I think there's some really good points here on the Prosper Podcast with George McReynolds. We're talking about conventional wisdom that maybe isn't always so wise. And, of course, we hit on real estate a little bit there for those first two. What about this one, George? You see a lot of folks, and I've talked to people all across the country when I'm hosting various shows, and it's the wisdom that retirement is a chance to relax after an exhausting career. I don't know how many people, retirees, have said, man, I feel like I'm busier now than when I worked. I don't know how I ever had a job. Yeah, that's I work with predominantly retirees and they don't know how they got anything done when they were working, but they're running around, uh, especially with grandkids and vacations. And uh, I've got clients in their in their late 70s that are going sailboarding and just exploring the world, going birding. It's a really active group of people. And I've noticed that the people that slow down are the first ones to sign off. I think it's important that we keep moving, you know, go back uh, 20, 30 years, people retired at 62, but they only lived two years. They only retired because they were too sick to work. They might go out and get a new car and travel to see the long lost relatives for a couple of years. But, you know, after two years, they'd be in a nursing home maybe or, or passed away, but they didn't have a long retirement. Today, people that retire at 62, they generally have other interests, whether for profit or for pleasure, but they're active in doing volunteer work in libraries and hospitals and daycare, but they keep active. They keep their mind and their body sharp by keeping moving. I don't know of anyone that is just going to sit back in the lounge chair and just let life pass them by. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And not only are we living longer, but we're also living better for the most part, right? So we're a lot more healthier uh, and more active now in retirement than maybe a generation or a couple generations ago, for sure. So uh, a final piece here on our conventional wisdom that isn't so wise, George, or isn't always so wise, is sometimes we get into this mindset we've heard, well, if your investments aren't doing well currently, we'll switch and try something else. And really the investment game working, especially in the market, it needs to be more of a long-term approach, obviously depending on your time horizon. Absolutely. Morningstar uh, recently um, did a study that on average, people lose two and a half percent of their wealth every year, trying to find something else, going to the church of what's happening now. Vanguard has done similar studies, how people kind of hold themselves back when they're doing things on their own. And I absolutely believe that 80% of financial success is psychology and less than 20% is strategies and mechanics. And if you don't get the psychology right, it doesn't matter what strategies you use. You'll be doing it by accident and not by design. So you should have a sensible plan for your investments. And then you should make changes when the sensible plan needs to be changed and not look at it all the time. You've got to match it with your risk. You've got to match it with your goals. And just because it doesn't look good today is absolutely not the reason to make a change. You need a a much more intelligent approach than that. Well, you know, when it comes to conventional wisdom, it always isn't so wise. The best way to do that is to talk to somebody that does this every day. And that's one reason why we do the podcast here. So we hope that you enjoy our little program and make sure that you subscribe to us at prosperpodcast.com. That is prosperpodcast.com. And we're going to depart this week's show, George, with an email question that has come in from Owen in Roxborough. And he says, George, as my wife and I get ready for retirement, we are realizing we might have way too much money tied up in our rental properties. See our conversation from today, Owen. (laughs) And he says, uh, you know, we're doing some flipping and whatnot. We've got about 20% of our money in the stock market. About a million dollars, though, is tied up in real estate. We'd like to start selling these properties off and moving that money over to the market. How do we go about doing that? 
Should we sell everything at once? Is there kind of some strategy that you would look at? Move it all in one chunk or maybe spread it out over time? What's your thoughts? Can you help them out with something like this, George? Well, I think I can help them out in a big way. But of course, prescription without examination is malpractice. So I can't give him any specific investment advice, but I can talk about some general tax things that he should look at. He's probably, if he's a serious investor, he's probably already familiar with 1031 exchange, but a lot of people have a very, very narrow view of that. It's a tax-free exchange where you exchange one type of property for another in the same category, and you defer any capital gains on that, except to the extent that you take out cash. And it allows you to postpone the capital gains. Now, for most people, though, it just puts it off indefinitely into the future. It doesn't give them an opportunity to kind of spread the tax over several years. But there's a couple of opportunities. If you want to know generally how some of the options work with 1031, then go to the website 1031corp1031corp dot com. Uh, it's a local company that uh, they act as the intermediary, but they've got a great website that explains some of the options. But uh, one of the options that people forget is that you can exchange your real estate into a partnership or corporation or REIT, and then you would receive shares in that. Now, what that does is it gives you fractional ownership in something that's probably more diversified, but it also allows you then to sell the different parts of the investment over time. And that allows you to, if you have grandkids, you could gift some shares to them and they may not be in any tax bracket at all. The same thing for making charitable contributions and also for things like charitable remainder trust. So there's, there's a lot more flexibility where you can't sell your house brick by brick, but you can do that if you're part of the, a larger organization. And then you can diversify dollar cost average. Uh, of course, that doesn't guarantee that you're going to make a profit, but it just puts the odds in your favor. But uh, definitely look at the 1031 Corp. Look about some of the places that allow you to trade into a bigger group. And uh, it, it can be pretty flexible. Well, there you go, Owen. So much, thank you so much for uh, submitting that question into the program. And we hope that you enjoyed your time here on the Prosper Podcast. Always, as we mentioned before, you know, we talk in generalities. Before you take any action, always check with your financial advisor or financial coach. And if you need some help or need a second opinion, George is here to help. Give him a call at 215-699-1050. It's 215-699-1050. This is the Prosper Podcast. Don't forget to go to theprosperpodcast.com. That's prosperpodcast.com. And subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeart, all those various things, whatever works well for you. And George, my friend, thank you so much for your time. I hope you continue to stay on the mend and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Mark. Have a great weekend. You as well. And we'll see you next time here on the Prosper Podcast. George McReynolds of McReynolds Wealth Management, registered principal. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member, FINRA SIPC. Investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and McReynolds Wealth Management are not affiliated. Advanced-level tax planning, income, tax preparation, life coaching, and time management consulting services, and fixed insurance products and services are separate and unrelated to Cambridge. Cambridge does not offer tax advice.